This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Once again, we feature another story from The Lives of Harry Lyme, starring Orson Welles. So it's back to the early 1950s for the episode See Naples and Live. Presenting Orson Welles as the third man. The Lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character originally created in the motion picture The Third Man. With zither music by Anton Karras. That was the shot that killed Harry Lyme. He died in a sewer beneath Vienna. As those of you know who saw the movie, The Third Man. Yes, that was the end of Harry Lyme. But it was not the beginning. Harry Lyme had many lives. And I can recount all of them. How do I know? Very simple. Because my name is Harry Lyme. neck of a Mrs. Donaldson as she waddled like a golden duck across the international social horizon. I had a rather strong desire to change the habitat of this particular locket from the neck of this particular lady to my own particular itching palm. It was Naples before the war. Enter. Ah, 
how you kept me impatient for an hour, Mr. Lyme. I'm sorry, Senor Rubio. I just flew in from London and forgot to move my watch ahead. It is my knowledge that you have been in Naples for three days now. But it does not matter. I'm a man with a skill for waiting. I'm going to be very brief. I won't waste any more of your time. Already. Bueno, bueno. At first, I must tell you that I've made all the arrangements to dispose of the Donaldson Emerald. Oh, yes? As soon as we uh, possess it, I uh, There's a small item I forgot to tell you about, Senor Rubio. I have decided to include you out. I, I do not think I understand. To be brief and simple, I've decided to dissolve our partnership, old man. Oh, you're disposing of me? Perhaps that's a nicer way of saying it. I do not prefer to be disposed. Naturally, you don't, but sometimes we get disposed, whether we like it or not. Mr. Lyme, we began this enterprise together, and I think we shall finish it together. You have never been more in error, old man. Now, you must forgive me for running off my... One moment, Mr. Lyme. Yes? You recall Carlos? I do. And that young man from Eastbrook, I forget his name. You mean Manhammer? Yes, if it were possible, they would be very sorry if they were rude to me. Hmm. I'm now the most well-threatened man in Europe, and you have joined an innumerable caravan. Arrivederci. Don't farewell me yet, Mr. Lyme. Sorry, but I really must. Do not force me to shoot you. <laughs> if you take one more step toward the door, I'll uh, fire. Now, don't be a complete fool, old man. If, if they found a dead man in your room, they'd hang you. I will be easy with you. Just tell me where Mrs. Donaldson is, and I, I will forgive you your ungratefulness. Rubio, I'm on my way out. If you fire that gun, the police will be here before you can get out of the hotel. Buongiorno. There's a saying in this city, see Naples and die. It only proves that life is very short and uncertain for us all. Goodbye, old man. Believe me, I'm not a professional hero. I was not at all concerned about Senor Rubio putting a bullet in me, not in his hotel room. I hurried to the pier where the Arcturus was about to dock. She was carrying precious freight, Mrs. Donaldson. I already made arrangements for one of the customs officials to hold Mrs. Donaldson up on a pretext of going through her luggage. A few thousand liras did the trick. Oh, you stubborn man. I tell you, there's nothing contraband in my luggage. You've already gone through my clothes twice with your dirty hands. Amy... Talk to this man. He doesn't understand a word of English. My Italian is worse than his English. Per increase tanto, signora, ma è necessario. Ho istruzione di esaminare il vostro bagaglio. Deve aver pazienza. What seems to be the trouble here? Thank heavens, an American. I have no idea why this idiotic official is rummaging through my clothes. Must matter for him, you know. You think I was a smuggler or something. I've been to Naples many times, and there's never been this ridiculous fuss. I'll talk to the American consul. See to it that this man loses his job. I wonder if you could talk to him. That is, if you can speak Italian. Of course, I'd be only too happy to. Let me see what I can do. Che cosa succede, please? È di regola di affaminare ogni 25 passaggeri. Questo non è necessario, conosco la signora. Questa è mia carta. Ah, signore, mi rincresce tanto. Mi ha guardato la signora tutto questo disturbo. No, no, veramente. It's all right now. You're cleared. Here, let me help your bags. Hmm? Thank you ever so much. I don't know what I would have done without you. Amy, get one of those porters to help us with the luggage. Yes, Mrs. Donald. I have my car. I'll be glad to give you a lift to your hotel. Oh, okay. I wouldn't want you to bother. Oh, don't bother at all. One fellow American to another, you know. Thank you. <laughs> These taxi drivers rob you mercilessly. Uh, oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. My name is Lyme. Harold Lyme. I'm Mrs. Frederica Donaldson. Mrs. I'm so Donaldson. glad we ran into you. A uh, wonderful piece of luck. <laughs> well, let's say we're well met. <laughs> Loveliness was gracing my car. Loveliness in the form of the emerald locket around Mrs. Donaldson's neck. 
and loveliness in the form of Amy Collins. She was Mrs. Donaldson's hired companion. She had red hair and eyes to match the emerald, and she liked me. I think she liked me. Every so often I'd catch her eye. And she'd turn away, as if she were guilty of something. Really, Mr. Lamb, I've never been so humiliated. Just standing there with that man poking away at my underthings, messing up all my clothes. Absolutely no regard for our feelings. Something should be done about this. He was only following instructions. I don't think he was. And doing anything he sort. He was just being malicious and perverse. If it weren't for Mr. Lyon, I don't know what would have happened. We're deeply indebted to him. Oh, you don't owe me anything at all. I did what any other American would have done, Mrs. Donaldson. I wish we could repay you for your kindness. Well, you know, I, I think maybe you can. Wonderful. Just tell us what it is. Well, I've got to buy my sister a gift. It's her birthday. I don't know too much about jewelry, so I wonder if... Either of you could come along and help me shop. Of course we can. Amy does most of my shopping for me. She's very good oh, at that's it. Wonderful. I'm sure she'd be delighted to help you. Don't you want me to help you get your things unpacked? I'm already unpacked, thanks to that customs official. No, you go ahead. Just drop me at the hotel. You don't mind, do you, Miss Collins? Oh, no, not at all. Good. It's a relief. Now, I'd like both of you to be my guests at dinner tonight. That's very kind of you. We'd be delighted. Oh, it's my pleasure, Mrs. Donaldson. Really, it's my pleasure. We deposited fat Mrs. Donaldson in a room, and then Amy and I went shopping. I took her along to the Corso Vittorio Emanuele, one of Naples' better thoroughfares. What are you looking for, Mr. Lyme? Please, call me Harry. All right. May I call you Amy? If you wish. Hmm. <laughs> you don't sound very enthusiastic. Please call me Amy. That's much better. What do you want to buy for your sister? Some nice jewelry, a necklace or a locket, something like that. Mrs. Donaldson was wearing something pretty, something like that. <laughs> you don't know much about jewelry, do you? Well, I know what I like. Most of the time, the things I like you can find in a dime store. You won't find Mrs. Donaldson's locket in a dime store. It costs about $20,000. $20,000? You're kidding. No, that's a real emerald she has set in the locket. She must be crazy traveling with a thing like that flashing on her neck. Oh, well, it's not very wise, but she's very sentimental about it. Her husband gave it to her just before he died. She swore to wear it every day of her life. She was very devoted to him. Well, I suppose you think I'm pretty much of a chump about jewelry. You have good taste. I also have good luck meeting you. Life is very strange, isn't it? Mm. You know why? Well, just half an hour ago, you and I were total strangers. Now here I am helping you buy a gift as if... As if we'd known each other for a long time. Well, there's nothing wrong in that, is there? No, it's... Just at the moment you entered the scene, things seemed to move fast and efficiently. You make it sound as if it were a fall. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. I can go away and come back again and do it more slowly. I suppose I sound foolish. Perhaps it's because you liked me too soon. Well, I... I... Well, I, I liked you too soon. Well... That's probably too fast for you, too. But you see, I'm a man who says what's on his mind. Probably not a very efficient way of talking to a gentle soul like you. Oh, no, I prefer straightforward people. All right, now, you be straightforward. What was your first reaction to me when you first saw me? I, I was interested, perhaps, maybe intrigued. That's better. You have a way of condensing relationships quickly. Well, if people like each other, they don't need a calendar full of time to tell them about it. Good things grow slowly. Here's a shop. Mm. Mm. Boy, they all look pretty, that... That filigree pin. I like that. It's very nice. Which one? Uh, the one near the large cameo. Oh, yes, it is very pretty. Shall we go in? Wait. Let's look at the other things in the window. 
Ah, I'm begging your pardon. I heard you conversing English. We were talking American, a totally different language. I am trying to reach Via Salvatore Rosa. Could you inform me how to get there? Sure, man. Turn right the next corner and go straight for three squares. Ah, I'm much grateful. That's right, all right. Do you like, uh, uh, you like a cigarette? Uh, no, no, thank you very much. Just turn right at the next corner. Oh, I'm unhappy to trouble you further, oh, but uh, uh, do you have a match? I'm sorry, but I don't have any matches with me. I have a light. Mademoiselle is most generous. Hmm. A thousand thanks. Uh, turn right at the next corner. And three squares and down. three eh? squares down. Good day to you all. Good day. Perhaps you will meet again, eh? Good day. He seemed most reluctant to leave. Yeah. Uh, an odd fellow. Why did you refuse to give him a light? I didn't like his face. Did you ever see him before? Why do you ask that? We acted as if he knew you. Well, I didn't care to know him. I think you gave him the wrong direction. It could be. It seems that if he followed your directions, he would find himself in the Bay of Naples. I'm sure it won't dampen his spirits. Should we go in now? Yes, of course. There's just one thing I'd like to ask you. I'll answer anything you want. What do you do for a living? Uh, uh, for a living? Oh, I'm a dealer in objet d'art. I wander through the world, collecting the best things. Sounds very interesting. Mm, it is. It's... It's often quite exciting. Now, let's go in and buy that filigree pin. Orson Welles returns in just a moment as the third man. Wells as Harry Lyme, the third man in See Naples and Live. I bought a pin for 2,500 lira on the way back to Amy's hotel. She was thoughtful and not much inclined to do any talking. I took her by the hands. She didn't object to that, but she didn't react to the touch. Put it simply, she just let me hold her hand, nothing more. I suspected that Signor Rubio had made too strong an impression. It's essential now that I work fast. The emerald would have to be in my pocket tonight or not at all. However, I wasn't worried about Rubio. Strangely enough, it was Amy. Bothered me. I was beginning to be a little too fond of her. That, that was bad. I always make it a point not to be too fond of anyone in this world. This is a lovely romantic restaurant. I'm glad How you like it. How did you discover it, Mr. Lyon? I just asked the porter in the hotel. They know everything in Italy. The portier is the best informed people in the country. It's really delightful. Oh, good. Don't you think so, Amy? Yes, I do. It's charming. Won't you have some more spumante? Well, just a drop. Mmm, I declare. Just like champagne. Yes, it's the Italian version. It's so kind of you to give so much time to us, Mr. Lyon. Really, it is. Amy, isn't Mr. Lyon just a dear? I think he's most generous. Oh, I'm having such a delicious time. 
I feel so happy. Happier than I've been since... I, I wish poor Benjamin were here with us. You would have liked him, Mr. Lyon. Oh, I'm sure I would. Uh, poor Benjamin. Oh, no, 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 Mrs. Donaldson. Let's not be sad here. Just have a little more spumante. Oh, hmm? I really don't think we should. I'm afraid you're going to make us all drunk, Mr. Lyon. Oh, Amy. I don't think another drop will hurt us. After all... By this time, Mrs. Donaldson is becoming thoroughly relaxed. Spumant is a fine relaxer. I stirred the champagne with a wooden swizzle stick, the bottom of which was well laced with phenobarbital. My keynote for the evening, as you can see, was relaxation. Before the evening was over, my emeralded guest was going to be the most relaxed woman in all Italy. The Spumante bubbled and frothed over as I stirred it. I know I shouldn't have another glass, but perhaps you had better stop, Mrs. Donaldson. Never. I just feel so wonderful. How about you, Amy? All right. A toast to us. May we always be as happy as we are now. A toast to you, Mr. Lyon. You wonderful, wonderful man. I patted her neck. I wanted her to get used to the touch of my hand against her neck. She withdrew a little. Then I could become super sensitive about the locket. We drank. I studied the clasp on the lock. It was a simple device. You turned a tiny wheel, and it released the catch. Just a twist of the wrist. The musicians are going to play again. Uh, come here, come here. Please, Mr. Lyme, no more. No, moments. I have a special surprise. Yes, senor. Have the musicians come over here. Yes, senor. Oh, isn't that sweet? That's a lovely gesture, Harry. I thought you'd forgotten my first name. Here they are, senor. What would you like them to play? What would you like, Mrs. Donaldson? Oh, I can't think of a thing. How about some Neapolitan songs? Uh, per favore, a monastero Santa Chiara. Count it was going to be very easy. They were completely at ease and they trusted me. Amy stole her hand at the mine as they played. It was really quite pleasant. I leaned back and relaxed. That was just beautiful. Very good. Thank you. Molto grazie. Here's something for the lads. Oh, grazie, signor. Did you enjoy it, Mrs. Donaldson? They played divine. I have a wonderful idea. How would you all like to go for a drive to Pompeii? At this hour? Yeah, it's only 10 o'clock. It's a full moon. Quite a thrill. I adore to go. Fascinating place. I've been there many times. Well, you have to see it at night. Isn't it closed? Of course it is. We can go in through the back way near the arena. I'm willing if Mrs. Donaldson is. Try and stop me. What a marvelous idea. Just one thing. What is it? Amy told me about your emerald locket. I think it'd be safer if you left it at your hotel. In the safe of your hotel. Don't you worry about it. I never take it off. No, but really. Except when I retire. Don't worry about it. It's perfectly safe. Besides. We wouldn't find any criminals in Pompeii. No, I'm sure not. But all the same, I'd feel better if you left the Oh, no, here. no, I can't do that. Please don't fret about it. All right, if you're sure. Let's go right now. Just let me pay the bill. Come here, eh? Yes, signor. Conto, per favore. Check. Yes, signor. It was less than an hour's ride to the ancient, extinct city of Pompeii, lying like a corpse at the foot of its killer, Vesuvius. We entered through the gardens of an ancient home. The moon shone down hard and white, lighting up the empty city. Isn't it thrilling and beautiful and frightening? A chap by the name of Trebio Valenti used to live here. He hasn't been home for nearly 2,000 years. 
Here we are in Avodanza Street. It's in perfect condition. Isn't it exciting? It's unbelievable. Look at the gutter. You can see where the chariot wheels made deep ruts in the stone. What a narrow street. We can walk in the gutter. I don't think we'll be run over by any chariots tonight. Where does this street lead to? To the Forum. What about those lovely buildings? Oh, they're old mansions. Belong to a couple of rich fellows. See the sign on the wall? What does it say? Post no bills in Latin. (laughs) And the sign alongside of it? Down with such and such a tyrant. Time has worn away the name. It's just amazing. It all begins to make me feel faint. Oh, don't you feel well, Mrs. Donaldson? I, I feel fine. Uh, just sleepy. I don't know why I should feel sleepy when I'm so excited. Don't you want to sit down? Maybe I'd better. Well, just rest for a moment. I think we'd better go back. We will, but first we'll let Mrs. Donaldson catch a few minutes rest. There's a marble bench in the atrium of the Casa de Ceriale. He used to be an arrogant rich man who didn't like the strangers visiting his palatial home, but I don't think you're mine now. Oh, it's lovely in here. Here we are. You sit down, Mrs. Donaldson, and rest your shoulder against mine. There you are. You're darling, Mr. Lyme. Amy, if you walk into the other room to your right, you'll see some excellent frescoes. They're beautifully preserved. May I have the flashlight? Yes, here, here. Mrs. Donaldson was sleeping softly. I pressed my fingers against her neck to test her responses. There was no reaction. Tried it again so that even in her sleep she would feel no alarm, become accustomed to the feel of fingers around her throat. She slept peacefully on. I quickly unloosed the catch and I so care not to slide the locket. Picked it gently off her neck. At the same time, I held her hand to divert his sensation of touch. It was done quickly. I was ready to make my silent departure, gently propped her against a pillar. Then I heard a sound that froze me. Footsteps. Footsteps, and they weren't Amy's. Who's there? What's the matter? I caught a glimpse of him. It was one of the guards. There's only one thing to do. Run. Stara Stabione, I turned the corner and ran into one of the old Roman baths. I made for one of the rooms, expecting it to have another exit. It was dark, and I followed around. I had a very unpleasant feeling when I became aware that the only way out was the way I came in. I ran back. It was too late. My pursuer was standing at the entrance of the flashlight, one hand and a gun in the other. It was not a guard. It was a You see, Harry, fate has thrown us together again. It's still around her neck. The locket, please. I just told you. It's I'm still... not in my hotel now. This time I will kill you. Give me the locket. I... I'm not a usually reckless fellow, but this time I did a very rash thing. I rushed him. He fired. A bullet tore a hole in my shoulder, barely touching my skin. I wrestled with him. He fell on the marble floor. His wire in very strong. In a few seconds, it was clear that he was in far better shape than I. Then he hit me a very rude blow on the head with a gun. And I abandoned the fight. For a moment, I just lay there thinking... Thinking what a very evil moment of my life this was. Now, the locket. Okay. Thank you. And now I think I will dispose of you for having caused me all this trouble. Oh! Arrivederci! Check the revolver, signore, altrimenti tiro. That's the police, Ruby, old man. You're caught. Momento. Caught red-handed. But the emerald... It doesn't belong to you, old man. Better go along quietly with the police. Look, there's more of them coming through the door. No, he's putting up a fight. Remember what I've always told you, old man. Crime doesn't pay. I don't know how to thank you, Mr. Lang. Risking your life to save my locket. Oh, that's all right. You're the most brave man to chase after him in the dark, unarmed. Well, I just gone to see where Amy was, and I heard the sound. There he was, deftly removing the locket from your neck. I felt someone puttering around my neck. 
that I thought was you. Oh, really? I, I was asleep, you know. <laughs> now, I have my suspicions about this Rubio from the first. Does the wound hurt much? Oh, it's nothing. It's a hole in my soup. And a bird bump on your head, you poor boy. Mm-hmm. It'll heal. Amy, you haven't said a word to our hero since they arrested that Rubio man. Oh, I'm, I'm just stunned. Oh, I'm sorry we got you into this. I, I never should have taken you to Pompeii. It's all my fault. Of course not. That terrible man would have tried to snatch the locket wherever I was. Just a lucky thing I met up with you. I'm going to give you a gift. You just must take it. A hundred-pound note. Oh, I wouldn't think of it. You'd make me very happy if you took it. Oh, no, I absolutely... Please, Mr. Lyon, please. Well, if it means so much to you, I'll give it it. to my favorite charity. Well, here we are at the hotel, safe and sound. Thanks to you. I must run upstairs. The whole thing has given me a severe headache. You will call me in the morning, won't you, Mr. Lyman? Indeed, I will, Mrs. Donaldson. Good night. Good night. Oh, Amy, can I have a word with you? I'll be up in a moment, Mrs. Donaldson. Of course, dear. Good night, Jan. And bless you, Mr. Lyman. I'm... I'm sorry about this evening, Amy. So am I. Let's meet for lunch tomorrow. No, Harry. Why not? I never saw the frescoes on the wall. You didn't? No, I didn't find them, and I walked all the way around. I saw you from the front entrance. Oh. Besides, a man who deals in fine arts would know an emerald locket from a dime store trinket. Yes. Should have thought of that. I was beginning to like you very much, Harry. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not the kind of man you'd like to begin to like a little more. It's a pity. You want to see me again, ever? It'll never be any good. Well, you might as well have the filigree pin. What about your sister? I haven't spoken to my sister in ten years. She doesn't approve of me. Suppose... Supposing I give it to you. No, thanks. You mean you wouldn't take it? No, no, I couldn't. Well, supposing if you didn't take it, I just threw it away. Oh, but you shouldn't do that. Oh, I won't. I won't. We were just supposing. Now, goodbye, Amy. There's no supposing about that, I Harry Lyme returns in just a moment. cost me about $100 to bribe the customer official with champagne and a gold filigree pin. 
The reward left me with a profit of $270-odd plus a bump on the head and a hole in my suit. I'd lost the lovely green emerald and the lovely green eyes of Amy. The emerald didn't bother me too much, but Amy... Amy. She nearly interfered with the great romance of my life. My love for Harry Lyme. Stay tuned for Nick Carter, Master Detective, right here on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Zoomer Radio and Theater of the Mind, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now, Nick Carter, Master Detective, and the episode, Corpse in the Cab. of all manhunters, the detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the case of Detective Fiction, Nick Carter, Master Detective. Tonight's curious adventure, The Corpse in the Cab, or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Murder in the Park. Taxi? Taxi? Uh, Mr. Ramsey, you are very kind indeed to take such an interest in this uh, problem. Why, dear fellow, I consider it my civic duty. Uh, taxi! Ah, here's a cab now. Yes. Okay, gents, make it snappy. We're blocking traffic. All right. You get in first. My party, you know, my party. Thank you. Where to, gents? I guess the quickest way to get there is through the park. Yes, drive through the park. I'll tell you where to turn. Okay. I believe it is on West 54th Street. And there's a flag out there. Uh, excuse me, uh, uh, driver. Yeah? Uh, do you mind if I shut this glass partition between us? Go right ahead, boss. You're paying the fare. Here, let me do it for you. Uh, well, that's better. Nice winter evening. Stars twinkling. Ought to pick us up for the grim business ahead. Uh, lucky thing I ran into you. Lucky thing. <laughs> yes, indeed, Mr. Ramsey. It seems fate destined me to make your acquaintance this afternoon. Yes, lucky thing. <laughs> Just my little way of keeping air out of the windpipe. There you are, my dear fellow. <laughs> Mighty lucky thing I ran into you tonight. You gotta help me, Nick. You gotta. They'll slap me and stir. Now take it easy, Shorty. Take it easy. Now tell me again exactly what happened. Like I said, two guys hailed my cab. 
One of them says to drive through the park. He'll tell me where to turn up. And when you get out of the park? The one guy opens the petition again and says to pull up. He's getting out. He tells me to drive the other guy to the precinct police station. And, Nick, if I hadn't looked around when I came to the intersection and seen what I seen, I'd have driven right up to the pool house with a dead body in my cab. Me, Shorty Bentano. You don't remember what the man looked like, Shorty. In the dark? I ain't got cat's eyes, Nick. <laughs> Gee, what's that? You are jumpy. And just Patsy buzzing me in the talkback. Oh. Nick, in the inimitable words of Mr. Winchell, my stomach and my backbone are now a twosome. When do we eat? Enough to order yourself a sandwich, Patsy. We've got work to do. Work? Tonight? Mm hmm. And, Patsy, get me a police headquarters. Lieutenant Riley. Okay, Nick. You're going to turn me in, Nick? I thought you'd help me. I am going to help you, Shorty. But the sooner the police know about the murdered man outside in your cab, the better it is for you. You're crazy, Nick. I done time. I ain't got a chance. If the cops find that stiff in my buggy, it's curtains for me. I'm getting out of here. Shorty, sit down there. Nick, they'll give me the hot seat for something I never done. No, they won't, Shorty. Not while my name's Nick Carter. Not one bit of identification on this body. No bullet trace, no knife, no nothing. What did you want the murderer to do, Riley? Leave his calling card? Ah, I'm always getting stuck with one of these dud cases. It takes months to solve them. We don't even know who this stiff is. Now, Riley, flash your light inside here again. Oh, sure, sure. Yes. You see something? I'm just looking. You see, his pockets are turned inside out. Uh, the motive was robbery, all right. No, Riley, I don't think so. Huh? Doesn't look prosperous enough to rob. Ah, Nick, you're always looking for what's not there. That might mean something, too. Now, huh? ah, Riley, evidently the murderer didn't care to have his victim's identity uncovered too soon. Say, what are you looking at his hands for, Nick? Riley, have your laboratory analyze this white powder under the nail of his right index finger. Well, say, there is something under his fingernail. Yes. I have an idea. You'll find it's chalk. Chalk? Well, sure, you're a smart one, Nick. With these lily-white hands, hey, this guy was a pool player, a professional, maybe. Huh? Maybe, but don't bank on it. Now, Riley, about Shorty. I'm holding him, Nick. Never fear about that. Now, look, Riley, he's a favorite of me. Don't pull him in yet. Oh, great jumping banshees, Nick. I've got to. Listen, Riley, he had nothing to do with this murder. If he were a party to it, he'd have dumped the body out somewhere, wouldn't he? Well... Certainly what. Shorty's been on the right side of the fence ever since he got out of the big house. And he's given me a hand on cases from time to time. I know. You owe him a favor, and I owe you a barrel of them. Well, that's about it. Well, okay. I'll shut my eyes for 24 hours. No longer, though, mind you. Thanks, Riley. Uh, Nick, where are you going? To find a murderer. Boy, this is some buggy you got here, Nick. Four speeds ahead, a siren, two searchlights. Anytime you need a chauffeur regular, I'll hire on. Like driving my car, huh? It's like handling a baby carriage. Uh-oh, we're turning to 54th Street now, Nick. All right, Shorty. Slow down a little. 
Now, what was it you heard your passenger say? One says the quickest way to get there is through the park. I'll tell you where to turn off. And then the other guy says it's on West 54th Street and there's a flag out. And then the other guy shuts the partition and I don't hear no more. 54th Street doesn't run very far here on this side. I don't see nothing on this block. Flags, flags. Usually in public buildings, aren't they? You think maybe this is going to be a clue, Nick? Shorty, everything's a clue when you don't have much to go on. Nick, look. Flagpole. Yeah, very handsome flagpole. Yeah, but it's a police station. A police station? Good. What's good about it? Let's get out of here. You're safe until tomorrow night, Riley. Riley keeps his word. You want I should uh, keep going slow? Nope. I got the first link in our chain. You can put the speed on again. Where to now? To pick up Patsy. I sent her to the Bureau of Missing Persons on 30th Street. Ah, Nick, another cop house. I don't like them places. George Day, 2345 Elmhurst Drive, occupation truck driver. When last seen, was wearing gray coveralls. No, he's not the one. Gee, Nick, the guy ain't been missing long enough for anybody to get excited about it. He's only been dead a few hours. I'm playing a hunch, Shorty. Oh. You want me to read the rest of the names on the list, Nick? Wait a minute, Patsy. Hmm? Do you have a school teacher on the list? Yes. How did you know? Never mind. What did it look like? Well, let me see. Um, yeah. Ivan Johnson... Number two, St. Anne's Drive. Occupation, professor of ancient history. Good. When last seen, was wearing dark blue overcoat, gray hat, white shirt, blue tie, and always wears... Wears pince-nez glasses. Yes. So did our corpse. The glasses were missing at the time, but the bridge of his nose bore prints of them. Boy, I'm glad I'm going straight. Even the dead wake up and talk when Nick Carter gets on the case. Nick, how in the world did you know it would be a school teacher? Well, I didn't for sure. But nose glasses, plus chalk under the nail of the index finger, plus a sensitive face and the general appearance added up to teacher for me when I looked at the corpse. Next, I figured if he were a school teacher, he'd be expected home by five o'clock. His wife or family would be unduly worried if he hadn't showed up by eight or so and would call the missing persons bureau. But who'd want to murder a poor school teacher? One step at a time, Missy. And we know this much already. Our Mr. Johnson intended going to the 54th Street police station when he and his murderer hailed Shorty's cab. Oh, I see, Nick. Then you think that Professor Johnson was killed because of something he intended to tell the authorities. Mm-hmm. Simple the way he tells it, ain't it? One, two, three. Yes, you're very clever, Mr. Carter. But don't you think maybe his wife could tell us what it was he was going to tell the cops? Perhaps he told her first. Yes, Patsy, that's just what I do think. Uh, what was his address? Mm, just a minute. Oh, yes, here it is. Number two, St. Anne's Drive. Right. Okay, Shorty. Take us to number two, St. Anne's Drive. And hurry. Mrs. Johnson, I'm Nick Carter, and this is my assistant, Patsy Bowen. How do you do? How do you do, Mrs. Johnson? Did the police send you, Mr. Carter? Did they find him? Did they find my husband? I'm only here to ask you a few questions concerning your husband. Oh, then they haven't found him. I, uh, I really can't say. Now, tell me, did your husband mention whom he was going to see after school hours today? Ivan always comes right home after his classes. I thought that he might have had some special appointment today. Oh, no, no. Mrs. Johnson, how was your husband feeling when he left for school this morning? Oh, he, he was in such a mood this morning, 
talked about right and justice until my, my head fairly whirled. You know, he doesn't like to see people cheated, Mr. Carter. Ivan's a very honest person. What do you mean, cheated, Mrs. Johnson? He said he wasn't going to stand by and see the students in his school tricked out of their dimes and quarters. He was going to see right and justice done. The kids are being cheated. Uh, what school is this? Central High School. Ivan is the ancient history professor. He's taught there for 12 years. And where's his office there? Why, he's at the same office all that time. Number 12 on the first floor. I've always been happy about that. It's such a sunny little room. Well, Mrs. Johnson, you've been very helpful. Do you think they'll find him tonight? Do you think something terrible has happened? Why, the police will keep you informed. Good night. Good night, Mrs. Johnson. Try to get some sleep. Thank you, but I, I, I couldn't. Not till Ivan's home. Safe. I thought you were going to the school where Professor Johnson taught. That's not over here in the West Side Business District. Glad to see you on your toes, Patsy, and working in all four cylinders. Nose to the grindstone, shoulder to the wheel, and all that. I'm proud of you. All right, all right. But what are we doing over here? In just a moment, you'll see for yourself. This is the place, Nick. Right, sorry. All right, come on, Patsy. Want me to go with you, Nick? No, you stay here and keep your eyes open. Okay, and good luck. Come on, Patsy. We still got a lot to do if we want to keep Shorty out of Lieutenant Riley's foul clutches. I'm glad they didn't lock the front door in this office building tonight. Hey, that's funny. There's no night watchman here. He usually is. Well, Patsy, never look a gift horse in the teeth. No watchman, no trouble. Hey, it's spooky in here. There's one little light in this whole foyer. Wish we brought Shorty in with us. He'll do us more good, keeping watch outside. You really think this is where Ivan Johnson was this afternoon? Well, we know Shorty picked him up in front of this building. And this is the only office building in this block. All the rest are warehouses. It's pretty deserted, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And the elevators, of course, have stopped for the night. And this is a ten-story building. Well, Nick, maybe if we look at the directory board, we'll be able to figure out what office Professor Johnson mm-hmm. might have visited. Well, that's what I'm hoping. Now, let's see. Ah, uh, doesn't seem to be a name in this directory that helps us out at all. There isn't, is there? Oh, Nick, what'll we do? Doesn't take much brain work to figure that one. Maybe we can tell if we have a look at the doors of the offices in this building. So, we just have to go from office to office. Now, come on, let's start climbing. <laughs> There's nobody on this floor. All doctors and dentist offices. Don't think Johnson's business was with any of them today. Come on, up we go. See anything on this floor, Nick? No, nobody or nothing to interest a school teacher. Nick. I just don't think I can make another floor. You've got to, Patsy. We must cover every floor. Well, this is the top. Yeah. 
And we don't know any more than we did before. Nick, this place is as empty as a number two ration book. We might as well... What is it? I thought I heard something. Nick, there's someone in that office. Yeah. And yet the lights are out. The name on the door says, Gerald Ramsey, promotion counselor. Let's pay him a visit. Stay behind me now. To the left of my flash. All right. <laughs> and who is flashing that pretty light in my office at this time of night? Mr. Ramsey. That's my name. And yours? Nick Carter. Surely you don't mean that you're Nick Carter, the great detective. That's who he is, Mr. Ramsey. Sorry to bother you, Mr. Ramsey, but my assistant and I were just having a look around this building. Oh, well, too bad the fuse is blown out of my office here. Or you could have a good look. <laughs> Who are you after? You don't happen to know of any business in this building that might have dealings with a schoolteacher, do you? A schoolteacher? Mm-hmm. Let me see. A schoolteacher? Why, no, uh, no, there is. I never heard of it. But then there's such a lot I never heard of. Uh-oh. Oh, you... You knocked over that whole stack of packages. Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Ramsey. I, I dropped my handkerchief and I was leaning over to pick it up. Anything breakable in them? No, no, no. It's quite all right. Oh, thank goodness for that. Yes, uh, just some things a friend of mine left here until he came back. Just leave them there. I'll take care of them. No, at least let me pick them up. No, 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 no. Uh, never mind. Just leave them there. They, uh, they won't mind staying where they are for a while, I'm sure. Well, all right, if you say so. Yes, I do. So you can just run along and continue your search for whatever it was you were looking for. Good evening. Good evening. Now, Patsy, if you're okay, we better be on our way. Sorry we disturbed your uh, reverie, Mr. Ramsey. Reverie? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> really? He was an odd specimen. You think he knows anything, Nick? Well, if he does, he isn't talking. Come on. Oh, gosh, Nick, all that climbing up and downstairs just for nothing. I'm worn out. Maybe it wasn't all for nothing, Patsy. You mean you found a clue somewhere here? I don't mean anything yet. Oh, but Nick. I hope you could still walk well enough to get down the ten flights of stairs ahead of us, Patsy. I don't feel quite like carrying you just now. I guess I can make it under my own power. Where to now? Central High School. Time's a-wasting. And we still haven't uncovered a clue to the murder of the man in Shorty's cab. <laughs> Nick, what do you expect to find in a schoolhouse at this time of night? Clues to Johnson's murder, I hope. Well, it's no use, Nick. The janitor's not here. I'll have one more try. That racket should wake up the ghost of Hamlet. Hmm. No answer. So? So Nick Carter's trusty pick lock will do the trick. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's black as pitch in there. Stay right beside me. Seems to me I heard that one before tonight. And look, Nick. Hmm? I barked my shins in the dark in that, that character's office. And so if you don't mind, this time I'd like to see where I'm going. Okay, Betsy. I'll use my flash and keep it down low. Shin height. No, that's better. 
Now, come on. Better hurry or our friend Shorty's going to be sitting in the clink with a murder rap pinned on him. Okay. And she said his office was on the first floor, didn't she? Mm, yes, number 12. All bright and sunny. Here we are, Nick. Number 12. I wish it were bright and sunny in here now. This time we'll just dispense with the formalities of announcing ourselves. The door's open, Nick. Yes. So it is. Come on. Snap on the light, Betsy. Switch is right behind you. Okay. Hey. Yeah, looks like somebody else has given Mr. Johnson's room a going over. I'm afraid we got here too late. Papers all over the floor, window wide open. What do you suppose they were looking for? Same thing we are, Patsy. Clues. Except for a different reason. You think it was the murderer? Could be. Wow. What are you reading, Nick? This poster on the wall here. Oh. A dollar buys a destroyer, high school students. Subscribe just one dollar to the high school victory league and help buy a destroyer. That's the second time tonight I've seen something like that. A Oh, where's my hanky? Need any help? No, I've got one right here in my pocket. Here. Hey, wait a minute. Where'd you get this? What? The sticker that came out of your pocket with a handkerchief. Well, I don't know, Nick. Why? Why? It's got the same legend stamped on it that that poster has. Victory League. Well, so it has. Did you buy this sticker? No, I buy my destroyers by buying war bonds. Well, think, Patsy. Where did you get it? It was in your pocket with your handkerchief. Well, I don't know, Nick. I, I never put anything in this little pocket except my handkerchief. I can swear to this sticker. Well, but... See anybody? No. No. Nobody here now. Are you okay, Patsy? Well, I guess so. What happened? I just happened to look up in time to see a man poking a gun through the open window. So that's why you pushed me out of the way so fast. Yes, there was no time to be polite. Oh, thanks, Nick. Did you recognize the man at the window? No. Too bad. But he got away. Gee, Nick, you certainly shot that light out fast. Well, if he can't see us, he can't shoot us. A very logical deduction, Mr. Carter. Hey, Patsy. Hmm? Give me that sticker you picked up tonight. You think it means something to this case? You bet I do. I've just remembered where I've seen one like it. Hooray, Nick. Never mind now. Well, Patsy, this case is beginning to add up. I'm not mistaken, the sticker splits it wide open. Come on. I've got a job for you to do on your own, and right now. And that means you've got a job that you're going to do on your own. Right. Now, this is the plan. And if it works, we'll nail our murderer red-handed. Boss, you in here? My dear fellow, you know I'm in here. Did you get the fuse fixed? Yeah. While I was fixing it, I got something else, too. Come on in, you. Hey, snap on the light and see what I picked up snooping around down the basement of this building. See? Nick Carter. Well, well, well. Mr. Carter, back again. Still looking for the same thing? No, I found what I was looking for. Oh, good. Good. It's very fine. I already looked at his rod, boss. What'll I do with him now? Huh? You've had your chance, my dear fellow. Now it's mine. You know, I have a general impression you men don't like me very well. Oh, sure, Mr. Carter. We love you. But we'll love you a lot better when you don't talk no more. But very bluntly, Mr. Carter, but that is the idea. Now, Mr. Ramsey, just what do you think I could say that would harm you? Now, don't let him fool you, boss. 
When I was hiding in the bushes outside the window back there at the schoolhouse, I heard him tell the dame the case was wide open. Shut up, Lefty. Oh, so it was you who took those shots at us through the window. Yeah, and you ain't gonna do nothing about it. Hmm, it was pretty smart, though. Figuring out it was Mr. Ramsey what rubbed out the school teacher. You are a complete idiot. Stop that fool tongue of yours. Ah, what's a dip, boss? He ain't gonna live to tell it. Hmm. True. That's true. Yes, yeah, since you know so much already, we have only one recourse, Mr. Carter. Give me the gun, Lefty. Yeah, yeah, boss. This one's on me. Just a minute, Ramsey. As long as I'm not going to live to tell it, maybe you'll confirm a deduction I made. Certainly, my dear fellow. A condemned man is always granted one last request. Speak up. This high school victory league's a fauna, isn't it? You're playing on the patriotism of school kids to get them to donate their money to build destroyers and planes. But the money never gets any further than your own pocket. Isn't that it? Oh, yes, Mr. Carter. Since you put it bluntly that way, I am forced to admit that you're entirely correct. But may I ask what it was that led you to believe that I was behind the league? Yes. When I was at Professor Johnson's office, I saw a poster on the wall advertising your dirty league. Oh, please, Mr. Carter. I mean just that. Swindling high school students out of their few dollars in the name of a patriotism that you never knew the meaning of is about the lowest form of stealing that I know of. Oh, just let me take a poke no, there, will no, you? No, no, no. We can afford to be good-natured. Mr. Carter hasn't much time left, you know. You go on, Mr. Carter. As I said, I saw the poster on the wall advertising your dirty racket. And then Patsy found one of your stickers in her handkerchief where she'd picked it up off your floor. I recall then seeing that each of the packages she knocked over in here had a sample sticker pasted on it. It was easy enough then to put two and two together and get the required four. It's too bad that your undoubted excellence in mathematics can't save you. And all because one little school teacher suspected his kids were being cheated. Poor Professor Johnson. It is too bad for him that I found him wandering around this building, looking for the offices of the high school victory league. He told me he suspected it was a phony outfit, and he was going to see right and justice done. <laughs> I offered to take him right to the police station, and I did. <laughs> Although I wasn't with him when he got there. <laughs> Very funny. Yes. Hurry up, boss. We got work to do. Yes. Well, Mr. Carter, this is it. <laughs> Blast and banshees, Nick. Don't do this to me again. I tell you, my nerves won't stand it. Oh, what's the matter, Riley? You got your men lying on the ground here, howling like stuck pigs. Yeah, sure, but, but what if I hadn't hit him when he aimed at you, Nick? And what if I'd missed? So, Nick, your plan worked beautifully, the whole thing. Getting yourself found by Ramsey's henchman and my getting Riley up here to hear the confession and everything. Yeah, Patsy, but, but gee, don't run such a split-second chance of life and death again, Nick. My heart won't stand it. Well, that was worth it. Just to see Ramsey walk into the trap like a bear looking for honey. Hey, Nick. Oh, Shorty, come on in. Take a look at her handiwork. Gee, so that's the bum who tried to frame me to the hot seat. He'll be getting it himself before long. Thanks to Nick Carter. Riley, I want to tell you something. Of all the criminals I've tracked down, catching Ramsey gave me the most pleasure. A fella like that trading on the patriotism of school kids is about the lowest rat in the world. Why, bad as the Nazis are, a guy like this is worse. You're right, Nick. You said it, Nick. Well, Riley, you've got all the evidence you need. Mm -hmm. The package of posters in the next room, the package of stickers here, and the confession. Right, Nick. We can take over from here. Thanks. Okay, Riley. So long. So long, Nick. So long, Patsy. So long, Lieutenant. Well, Patsy, come on. Chin up. Carry on and all that sort of thing. It's not my chin that's worrying me, Nick. 
It's having to walk down those ten flights of stairs again. That'll be the fourth trip tonight. Why, Patsy, and at your age, too. Look, Nick, can't we just sit here on the top step for the next six hours? You think you'd be rested enough then to walk down the ten flights? I think that by then the elevators will be running again. And what a wonderful invention the elevator is. This has been another of the strange adventures of Nick Carter, Master Detective, which are brought to you regularly each week at this same time by WOR Mutual. Now, tell us a little about next week's story, Nick. Well, next week's story includes rather more adventure than actual detecting. But if Nick hadn't been able to make the first few deductions that really started him off on the right track, there would have been no adventure. And there was adventure and plenty of it. I came nearer to meeting my match when I met Dr. Donaldson than at any other time in my career. This Dr. Donaldson was a specialist in secret and dangerous poisons, and he tried one of them out on Nick. But in the end, I managed to get the better of him and solve a mystery that had the police completely stopped. We call it the empty coffin because it was an empty coffin that gave us the first clue. And it was two different doctors making out two separate death certificates for the same death that led to that first clue. Well, that's enough for now. Join us next week for the story of the empty coffin. So long. So long, folks. And so long to you, Nick and Patsy. Until next week. In the strange adventure you have just heard, Nick Carter was impersonated by Lon Clark, Patsy by Helen Choate. The story was written for Nick Carter by Barth Conry. Original music was played by Lou White. The entire production was under the direction of Jock McGregor. <laughs> Next week, at this same time, listen to another curious experience of Nick Carter entitled... The Empty Coffin. Or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Doctor's Poison. This story is a copyrighted feature of Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. The return of Nick Carter is produced in the studios of WOR and is broadcast over most of these stations every Saturday evening at 7 o'clock Eastern Wartime. And don't forget that the adventures of Nick's adopted son, Chick Carter, are broadcast over most of these stations Mondays through Fridays at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Wartime. This is Mutual. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be here tomorrow night for Life with Luigi. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.